Greetings, Greenhouse people, and welcome to another episode of Tech on Demand, brought to you by Grower Talks. I'm your host, Bill Calkins, and our goal here is to help you grow your best crop ever by sharing cultural and technical information based on discussions with experts around the globe, although sometimes we'll cover other topics in the horticulture realm like nursery and retail. We're joined once again by Aaron Paul Mateer, Senior Technical Service Representative with Bayer Ornamentals, to talk about building a comprehensive pest and disease management program. Aaron brings extensive experience solving problems and providing pest and disease management recommendations for ornamental producers and landscape professionals, so this episode lands right in his wheelhouse. Aaron's a former ornamental specialist at the University of Florida and received his doctorate in plant pathology from Auburn University and his master's and bachelor's degrees in plant and soil science from Southern Illinois University at Carbondale. You'll want to stick around to the end of this podcast to learn about a new resource from Bayer, a Spanish-language pest ID guide that promises to be a must-have at all greenhouses. Welcome, I'm Bill Calkins, Senior Editor for Grower Talks and Green Profit, and I'm excited to be back on the podcast with Aaron Palmatier from Bayer to continue our series of podcasts covering a range of topics related to pest and disease control on greenhouse and ornamental crops. This episode is a pretty nuts and bolts installment. It's all about building a pest and disease management program. That's a big topic for sure, but one that just about every grower of any crop needs to spend time on each season or in preparation for the season. So Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bill. Great to be here. And I'm happy to talk about building a pest and disease management program. It's kind of kind of what I've been doing for, for my career as a, as a pathologist and involved in ornamental. So, so happy to, to be here and, and talk shop today. Excellent. Excellent. I, I know this is going to be a, a good discussion and, and there's going to be a lot for uh, the listeners to learn. But real quick, I wanted to take a minute just to ask you how things are going out there in the market, or at least with the, the folks that you're talking to. Because in our current global situation, I know travel's limited, but I'm sure you've been talking with a lot of people. So what, what are you hearing out there? Yeah, sure. You know, un- unfortunately, you know, travel travel is is definitely uh, restricted. I, I I actually did get an opportunity to get out in in my area of South Florida. Uh, one of the things, of course, is that uh, everything's been really positive uh, from a standpoint of of plant production and sales, um, which is which is good. Um, the one thing in this particular area, we've had just tremendous amounts of rain. So nursery growers in, in Florida, and, I, and I've talked to some um, further up in the central part of the state as well, uh, been a lot of heavy, heavy disease pressure, a lot of bacterial diseases, um, even, even seeing some xanthomonas on poinsettias in, in, in my area. Uh, but outside of, you know, uh, the, the disease um, part, uh, you know, everything's, everything's been positive. Uh, again, it's been, you know, one, one grower the next. It's just, it's so nice, I guess a little refreshing to hear positive response when you ask them how they're doing. Um, and so that's, uh, I'm just happy to report that. Excellent, excellent. That's great to hear, you know, 
disease pressure. I guess that's something that everyone's going to face at certain times throughout the year, um, sometimes heavier, I guess, when you're dealing with rain. But the fact that the, the general attitude is positive is something I'm hearing as well. And I think it's going to bode well because uh, I think grower, the growers I talk to are expecting a big holiday season. And, and we're, I guess we're all hoping that comes to fruition. So, but we better get started because building a pest and disease management program is no small topic. So I guess to kick it off, how should growers look at a comprehensive program? Maybe start by explaining what integrated pest management is um, for pest and disease management and why that's an important uh, place to start for growers. Sure. Yeah. You know, so I'll just reflect back when, when I was in undergrad in crop science and, and I was first introduced to, to integrated pest management, um, I always, or I guess I was, I was given the perception that IPM is, is nothing more than and, and taking a more, I guess, environmentally friendly approach. And, and don't get me wrong, it, it definitely does account for the environment, but it, it, it also, by, by leveraging a combination of compatible and effective management options, and, and I can talk about the different types of options uh, but but when you take an integrative approach, so you're not just relying on, on one particular option, um, you, it, not only, uh, you know, so you may be using less chemicals, uh, and that may in some regards be a benefit for the environment, but you're also really becoming more in tune with what you're doing um, from a, a pest and disease management uh, perspective, because you're, you're really wanting to find that balance of, of what works, and not just relying on, on one particular option. And, and the whole key, I, I think, to success when you're taking an integrated approach, um, it, it comes down to, of course, it always comes down to, to dollars. So, so how to do it and to be cost effective but then also for sustainability, how, how do you, how do you last um, long-term? And, and so those are some, some important factors to consider when putting or taking an integrated approach to, to uh, pest and disease management. Um, I, I can now, if, if, if Bill, if you want me to, I can go in and talk about some of the, the components that are options for an IPM program. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a good logical place to go. You know, some of the words you use like compatible and the multiple options, and then really trying to uh, uh, know exactly what you're doing and finding out what works. That that's a really good uh, overview. So yeah, why don't you jump into the the key components in a program like this? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure with with your initial question how, how deep I wanted to go into IPM, but um, so. So basically, by not relying on, on one component, I guess maybe the old adage is, you know, you see a, a pest or a disease problem and you, you spray it. You know, you see bugs, you spray them. Um, but when it comes to taking an integrated approach, you really have to account for um, everything from starting, I guess, as, as a grower, being a horticulturist all your cultural practices. So that, that means providing an, an, uh, an optimum environment for the plant. 
uh, making the right adjustments to manage fertility correctly. Um, anything you can do to reduce the cultural stress. Uh, this could, you know, this uh, monitoring the irrigation. Uh, also, you know, minimizing uh, leaf wetness periods to reduce the possibility of getting foliar disease issues. You know, bringing in uh, horizontal fans for, for better airflow, adjusting to have the right light conditions. Those all fall under cultural practices. So those types of cultural practices are part of an integrated approach because again, by doing these, these right, or I guess these, these plant favorable um, uh, things, you're minimizing the, the chance for, for pests and disease issues. And then you go into things like mechanical strategies. So this could be, you know, going in and, and, and finding uh, either blemished or diseased tissue early so that it doesn't act as a source of inoculum for a pathogen and, and re pruning that out, removing it. Um, you can install barriers uh, for insects. You can put in screening to, to minimize the, you know, the uh, insects and mites from, from entering production areas. Um, and then, you know, then you also have things like the biological control. So biological controls, of course, um, you know, there's a lot of different biopesticides out there. Uh, there's some things that contain insect toxins. There's fungal antagonists. There's natural insect predators. And so by, by incorporating a, a biological component, what you're doing is you're reducing your reliance solely on conventional pesticides. But at the same time, your, your, your goal is not to um, replace conventional pesticides. It is to find a, find a balance that works. And so basically uh, what you're doing is you're looking at compatibility. So a lot of times you have to read through products to see whether the, there's going to be side effects or the potential for side effects and then, and then whether they're compatible. Uh, that's really important. And like I said, I think initially when, when you set out on this, this IPM journey, if you will, or taking that approach, you really, what I find is that growers become more in tune with what they're doing from a, from a, from a, a pest and disease uh, management standpoint. And so um, when it comes to, I, I, again, the balance of, of the biologicals and the chemicals, um, that's where it gets really interesting. And, and of course, you know, the other, I guess, favorable um, uh, outcome of, of using a biological is, is that you're reducing the potential for resistance in your chemical controls. And so, uh, but the, ultimately that's what it comes down to. It comes down to integrating a well-balanced program. And then I think when you go in, you dive into all these different aspects that come into play, you, you, you have a tendency to become more in tune with not, not only the activity, the compatibility, the effectiveness, but, but the uh, cost. And, and so uh, if you do it right, it can be caught very cost effective. That makes a lot of sense. You know, you talked about the cultural practices, the mechanical strategies, like I, I, there, there's a lot that goes into it. And then when you talked about 
uh, controls. I mean, we're talking herbicides, insecticides, and fungicides working together, right? That's correct. Okay. No, I, I, I just wanted to make sure that, that I was keeping it straight on this end. So I guess knowing the different parts of the program is, is the basis. Um, so how, how exactly should growers approach this? How, how do you build an effective IB, IPM program? Yeah, yeah. So it, it all comes down to, to really the, the, the fundamentals of, of uh, first and foremost, knowing what you're dealing with. So, for example, you know, if you're a poinsettia grower, um, you know, you know what pest and disease issues you're up against when growing poinsettias. Um, the, you know, and then the same thing for foliage, the same thing for bedding plants or any, any particular plant, it's really good to do your homework to know what, what you're up against from the beginning. The other thing is, of course, uh, for, for integrated pest management to be successful, it, it really requires uh, timely and, and, and adequate scouting. Um, you really have to hone in on, on insect and disease pressures um, early. And so a lot of times, um, you know, some, some operations, um, they'll bring in a, uh, a consultant, they'll, they'll bring in an external scouting um, uh, a company, if you will, to come in and, and, and handle all that for them. And then others like to take uh, the, the more internal approach and they have somebody on staff that's trained to, to handle all the daily scouting and the record keeping because you, you really have to stay on top of that um, for th this type of approach to be effective. Because again, you're not just seeing bugs and spraying them. You're, you're really using a, a more of a balanced approach. And so, so by understanding uh, what you're up against and then also accounting for when, you know, what time of the year, uh, these types of, of pressures and activity are going to take place and then taking, you know, preventative approach, but then, but then also um, looking at, you know, your, your biological programs and, and, and how they're going to play with the pesticides that you're choosing to use. Um, and, and so that all, again, that all just comes down to, uh, you know, kind of writing it all down, listing everything you're up against, and then looking at your different options, and then taking into account how those options fit into your operation. How about keeping a record? Do you do you advise growers to keep a record from year to year, whether it's you know on on, on the computer or just even in a notebook? I mean, is it because I got to believe that would help with the early detection that you're that you're advising. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a great point, Bill. Um, you definitely keep a record, even if you're writing something down on a napkin, uh, when, when you have a particular, let's say it's a disease outbreak or, or you find a, um, a new, you know, a new infestation of, of insects or wh whatever it might be, um, it's going to be, I mean, super important to, to have records so that you can go back and you can make changes to minimize problems from, from recurring. I mean, it's all about making informed decisions. And, and so if you can, if you know when something is going to happen or you, you have a, a really good idea that it's going to happen, um, 
I mean, that's, that's really where you want to be. You want to be able to take a preventative approach to, to minimize um, issues from, from happening. Cool. Well, I think that, that, that does a good job of covering the, the strategy, the overall strategy, but it occurs to me that even your best plans, you know, can, can go sideways because there's so many variables that growers face day to day in a greenhouse. So are there any methods or protocols that, that greenhouse professionals need to employ to minimize the risk of introducing, whether it's unwanted pests or diseases, even weeds into a production scenario? Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things, um, d- definitely, you know, there's always uh, new things or new ways to do things out there. So I encourage growers, for one, to, to make sure you're, you're, you know, you're reading the magazines, you're listening to these podcasts, uh, because there's always opportunity to learn new ways of doing things. And, 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 I, you know, when I, I haven't been traveling, uh, as much, uh, but when I travel and you go into different operations and you see how they take different approaches to doing things, it's always, uh, it's just, it, it's great, uh, opportunity to, to learn, uh, new ways of doing things. And again, you know, you may have some, uh, some growers are stuck in their ways and they don't want to make changes, but, but definitely, uh, consider, um, you know, t- new approaches or taking different approaches. Uh, it doesn't hurt to consider things and to do trials at a, a smaller scale. But, but when it comes to methods to minimize, you, you know, uh, in the introduction of pests and diseases, um, first thing is uh, sanitation, sanitation, sanitation. And, and uh, I know, <laughs> I know it, it probably, uh, you know, get, people get tired of, of hearing me talk about sanitation and the importance of, of, of identifying problems early on. But it really comes down to, to maintaining a clean environment. Um, and, and that can be, you know, following very strict protocols. I mean, I was really impressed. I, I, I'll even put a, a plug out there for, for cost of farms. I was visiting one of their locations, um, a, a couple of weeks ago. And, and when we went into, to this production house, I mean, they had the foot bath, uh, right at the, you know, before you walk in and then they, the, just the overall cleanliness and quality of that house was just impeccable. I mean, I, I was looking underneath the, the benches and couldn't find a weed or, or a plant out of place. And, and there's something to be said for when you've got a very clean environment, um, you know, it's going to reflect on your, on the quality of the plants. And so, um, I mean, it's, it's just, it's imperative to do whatever you can to minimize introducing uh, uh, problems and then to take action fast. Because uh, if you just, you know, if you've got a weed issue and you just let that weed issue, um, you know, continue to, to, to prosper, what's going to happen is a couple of things. One is you may end up getting newly introduced insect or disease problems that, that you know, those weeds are a reservoir. And then that's going to jump on to, onto your plants and to your production systems. So by, by just taking that, taking the weeds out of the equation, 
you are reducing the potential for those problems. And so uh, the same thing can be said for, you know, whether you're reusing materials or whether you're going to use new material. Um, you know, if you are reusing materials, make sure they're properly disinfected. And, and uh, because if you have any kind of contamination uh, from the beginning, it's just going to get bigger and it's going to get worse as, as, as you go. So again, it, it really comes down to taking that, yeah, I like to like I like to use the analogy of a hospital or a really clean environment. But really, take, taking that type of strict approach to to minimizing contamination is just gonna it's gonna pay off in the long run for sure. And I would think that that's something the entire team needs to be involved in. And and you know we. In our, in our industry, we, we talk a lot about processes when it comes to growing plants and the cultural processes, but I think sanitation is, a, is another process that needs to be instilled across the entire operation. Everyone should be accountable, um, and it probably comes down to just what you said, understanding that, that everything you're going to do up front and ahead of time will have uh, benefits that pay off uh, far down the line. That, so, absolutely. I think that, you know, you've shared a ton of great information, given us a good overview of what an integrated pest management strategy and program looks like. Um, as, as we wrap up this episode, what, what have we missed? Is there anything else growers need to consider when it comes to an integrated plan? You know, I, I mentioned uh, at the beginning about, you know, how when I first learned about integrated pest management, that it was all about uh, minimizing the impact on the environment. And, and that's, you know, that's definitely true. Um, and I, I will just speak to that. If you, you know, one, one of the, I guess, positive outcomes uh, besides being more sustainable and, 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 and also uh, playing into uh, uh, cost savings um, is the impact on the environment. And, and the fact that uh, I think uh, growers or, or even, uh, you know, the, the folks that are involved in plant protection, um, they're definitely uh, really in tune and taking account for uh, the products that are being used. Um, and then, you know, reducing the reliance solely on conventional uh, pesticides um, definitely will have a, have a positive um, impact uh, for, for the environment. And then, and then also, I just want to mention that, you know, manufacturers like Bayer, um, you know, they're, they're constantly going after, you know, the, the in environmentally safe products or, or, you know, what's considered, you know, the environmental protection agency reduced risk products. Like a, a great example would be like the Altus, uh, their, their newest insecticide, you know, is it not only is it re reduced risk, but it's got a high compatibility with beneficial insects. Um, it's also, uh, you know, has the application flexibility. You can apply it anytime during the production cycle. So you don't have to really worry about having an impact on pollinators and such. So um, having, having new products like that um, is definitely also a, a, you know, a real positive um, uh, for growers and it makes it easier, you know, for, for using or, or implementing uh, an IPM program. 
And that's great. And I, I love the fact that even a, a, a company the size of Bayer is really paying attention to um, having having uh, reduced risk chemicals and certainly uh, the impacts that products uh, can have on the environment, even outside of the greenhouse, but also within the, uh, the greenhouse environment. So uh, that's definitely exciting to hear. And I would imagine that uh, that you guys are, are always in the lab working on, on more and more products. So it'll be great to see more coming to uh, market in the future. So, you know, Aaron, I, I really appreciate all your time and sharing these strategies because growers need to understand that having a solid comprehensive pest and disease management program is key to producing the quality that, that their reputation hangs on. And in the better quality product going to market, the higher sell through, which benefits everybody all the way down the line. So, you know, thank you so much for your time today. Hey, great to be here, Bill. And, um, and again, it's a, it's a great topic. And, and I hope that the listeners out there are, are really, um, you know, just taking the initiative to tr try new things and kind of keep up to speed on what's going on um, in, in, with IPM and, and other things within the ornamental industry. Absolutely. When you were talking about sanitation, I know, I know that there's uh, the, the companies in our industry that are involved in the sanitation side are also coming out with new, new products and new application methods that are, that are showing a lot of positive results. So yeah, I mean, like, like Aaron says, keep your eyes open, keep reading uh, magazines like Grower Talks and watching the videos. And you know, when we can all get out and start attending some events and some in-person uh, trade shows, it's going to be exciting to see what's coming to market. So and until next time, uh, I'm Bill Calkins with Grower Talks and Green Profit. And on behalf of Aaron, Paul Matier at Bayer, I definitely want to wish everyone out there a fantastic spring production season. We will catch you next time. Bayer Ornamentals recently released an excellent tool that'll no doubt be quite useful in your greenhouse. It's a user-friendly Spanish language pest ID guide, and I wanted to take a few minutes to talk to Bayer's senior technical service representative, Aaron Palmatier, about what's covered in the guide and how he sees it being used by greenhouse professionals across the United States. So Aaron, why don't we start with a quick overview of the Spanish Pest ID Guide and what growers can expect to find between the covers. All right, Bill. Um, yeah, first of all, the, the new Spanish Pest ID Guide from Bear can help cultivate stronger communication in greenhouse and, and nursery operations. Uh, the, the whole idea is for a user-friendly guide. It's easy to follow includes numerous pictures uh, to help Spanish speakers identify pests. Um, and the other thing is we've incorporated, you know, it, it, uh, some information on how to, to best use solutions from Bear. So we have some of our fungicide solutions, insecticide solutions, and, and herbicide solutions built into the guide. But it also includes information on what types of personal protection equipment should be worn when making these applications. Um, and one thing I will note also, uh, you mentioned in between the pages, but the guide is actually produced on a, on a really uh, high quality coated paper so that it's, it's gonna be nice for, you know, for having outside in the elements uh, and it's you know, bound together uh, to survive you know, wear and tear. 
Excellent. I, that's definitely always an issue uh, when you're working uh, in a greenhouse environment. And that's really cool that it includes all the photos um, that folks are going to need to ID these pests. So I think that that gives the listeners a pretty good overview. So one of my questions is, why did Bayer decide to develop a Spanish language pest ID guide? Um, because you guys are known for all of your resources. So why, you know, why did you guys decide to uh, launch this uh, Spanish uh, language guide to supplement all these resources? Sure, sure. You know, so one, you know, the ability to quickly identify and treat pests is an important part of, you know, of what we do in ornamentals for, for healthy plants. And so it's even easier if you have a guide that speaks the language of, of some of, of, you know, some of the, the workers that are in your facility. And so, you know, that's why Bear developed a new ID guide specifically for Spanish speaking growers and, and laborers. And again, this, this guide is, is not like real advanced. This is, this is very, you know, uh, I, I like to say fundamental, uh, but the, the, the key is you know, easy to use. The guide helps bridge communication gaps to ensure everyone knows how to properly identify pests. And then, and then of course, use our products properly and, and, and safely. Um, you know, we want to, at Bear, we want to continue expanding diversity and inclusion and bringing people together. So I think the, the new Spanish guy does that. Yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, it is really, uh, like you said, all about communication and bridging those communication gaps. So I think that, uh, that that's a really important point. Um, the fact that it uh, talks about helping quickly identify, and I know that's one of uh, one of the things you always mention is that that diagnosis and how critical that is. So uh, that that's great, and this is going to be a really useful resource. Um, if listeners want to order a copy or multiple copies, how how are they going to access this guide? Sure. So it's actually it's going to be available, and it's starting. At, it's going to be sometime in you know the beginning of July. And they'll be able to go on to the, the Bear website, and it's really simple. It's just es.bear, B-A-Y-E-R, dot U-S. And then if you do forward slash Spanish dash test dash identification dash guide, that, that's a link that will uh, bring you right to a web page uh, to, to access, uh, to order the guides. And, you know, go, go ahead. I was going to say that's great. And we will actually put a link to that in the show notes so that folks can uh, quickly click on that link. Um, so that would be July 2020 availability. Um, and, yeah, so all you need to do is look in the show notes uh, of this podcast and you'll see a, a quick link uh, to access this guide. So. I appreciate that, Aaron. I, I definitely think growers are going to appreciate uh, the effort that Bayer put into this, and it's going to be a useful resource, really, for, for greenhouses of any uh, shape and size um, that has a, a Spanish-speaking workforce. This is going to be a, a great tool to have in the toolbox, so I appreciate uh, you letting us all know about that. 